Elvis, 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 Bienvenue de retour à Elvis quitter les films. C'est moi, Mathieu, et je suis une fois de plus accompagné par Morgan. Boo. Hey, everybody. Boo. Movie takes place in Belgium, okay? So I'm like, hey, why not? Yes, for those of you guys who don't know, Mathieu is, surprise, surprise, has a little bit of a francophone streak in him. I think we've we've mentioned in the past on Fully Bilingual. Yeah. I, mean, I, I gave that French lesson about the difference between the, <laughs> the titles and stuff that one time. Yes, yeah. So he's actually very eloquent en français, so... Drop us a like, hit that subscribe button, and comment if you want Matt to just continue this entire podcast on français. And we'll see, like, we'll should we'll do an episode where Matt just speaks entirely in French, and it'll be up to me to try and figure out if I can even understand oh boy, yeah. him throughout the whole episode. Which I actually believe that I can, because I'm from Canada, and you have to learn French in school, so I bet I could do it. So we're watching Double Trouble. We are watching Double Trouble. Qu'est-ce que c'est en français? Uh, well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that when we talk about the titles and things. Okay. First thoughts? First thoughts. I I liked what this movie tried to do. Mm-hmm. It may not have succeeded, but I appreciated the effort. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. This is the most they've tried to like bend the formula without completely yeah. breaking it. Yeah. I also liked the soundtrack on this a little bit more. It felt more, I don't know how to say, but it felt more like Elvisy. Which was really nice. I think that's like two episodes um, in a row that you said you actually kind of like the sound. We're getting there maybe. Uh, yeah, the, the bell maybe. curve of like we've hit the like the lowest point and maybe it's slow. Yeah, maybe now it's a bit of an around. uptick. As his music gets better, though, his movies get maybe better with them. We'll find out. Who's to say? We don't know. We honestly don't know. We've we've only heard rumors about how good and how bad the last couple of movies are. So we'll have to wait till we watch them to find yes, out. We continue flying blind. Yeah, by the seat of our pants. Holy smoses. It's been a wild ride. So, uh, yeah, no, I like it. I actually like it more than I like some of the other movies. So this is one that I, I might rewatch again with popcorn and friends. Damn, folks. That's like a certified, yeah. this might as well be a 10 out of 10 with that kind of praise. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm just no. saying in comparison. Five out of 10. <laughs> yeah, in comparison. Grading on the, yeah, the, the Morgan curve of like. It's true. It's true. It's been a long time since there was an Elvis movie that we watched. Would literally do anything else but watch the movie again versus I would actually consider <laughs> yeah. watching it again. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into it. So. Yes, this was released April 5th, 1967. The one we're doing next week, which technically came out first. Literally, they came out two weeks apart. Wow. I know. Why? Why would they do that? Why do they have no chill, you know? Like, you done with your Elvis yet? Sorry, here's some more Elvis. Like, I'm not done with my (laughs) first one. No. And then it's like you're at a restaurant. They just keep giving you. Yeah. You're like, enough. I can't do it. Yeah. So this is MGM once again. And it's Norman Torog once again. So this is number seven of nine. We got two more to go. Mm Oh my gosh. With old Norm. And then here's the synopsis. When singer Guy Lambert. Dumb name. What is. Yeah. Obviously, it should be Guy. Guy Lambert. It's fucking I mean, yeah. French. Yeah. Guy Lambert. Like, it's freaking French. But Whatever. Uh, when singer Guy Lambert goes on <laughs> tour in Europe, he is pursued by two beautiful women, bumbling jewel thieves, and a mysterious killer. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we got some stuff to work All with. All right. Here. Yeah. Right off the bat, too, I want to say again that I really liked the opening title credits. Yes, really I fun. wrote that in my notes as well. It was kind yeah, of like really that fun. very mod 60s. Yes, yeah. Jazzy. Yeah. And then it was yeah, like it was still fun. images with color filters. and Yeah. 
just kinetic oh. just fun yeah yeah fun yeah it's like sometimes they remember they can do that i just i wish for all of the elvis movies that we've seen that have had really good title screens i just wish the rest of the movie could have matched that energy you know that's true it's just a shame this yeah. came closer than most yeah you said it, it does have an energy to it. it it rolls along pretty smoothly yeah i think around the part where you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different characters in this movie, and, and they one introduce set of more characters as they go along, and as like, they oh, just no. keep going and going, you're like, yeah. holy fucking Jesus! But right around the part where they introduce like the three Stooges type characters is when I'm start to get lost. I'm like, you know, Elvis was supposed to be the funny person in this movie, yes. so why do you need these three schmucks? Like, what's the point? Those guys are literally in there because they were like a famous enough trio, and they just wanted yeah, to showcase okay. them. So Good they for them. Just <laughs> they sucked. <laughs> they weren't that bad, but like they just weren't good enough to warrant being in the fucking movie. Yeah, you've seen the shtick before. They're very like bumbling. They bounce off of each other and just like, oh, I'm doing. They're just acting like goofs, right? Yeah. It's like, oh wow, what a surprise. Ooh. Yeah, I liked. Um, I also liked the 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 new actress Annette Annette Day. Okay, so yeah, her story is very interesting. I might as well just say right now, this is her yeah. one and only film. That is so fucking weird. Actually, That's you know really what? Yeah, weird. we're just going to get right into it right off the bat. Let me just pull yeah, that up so do we it. don't have to do the fact How is later. It? Why? So this is what happened. Okay. Yeah, the first and only film made by Annette Day. Producer Judd Bernard found her while he was shopping with his wife in London. They entered an antique shop that was owned by her parents, and she was like behind the counter or anything. And then he's just it was just one of those like, who is this girl? Right. <laughs> I'm going to pluck her out of obscurity, you know, that whole tale. So at the time, Judd Bernard was uh, just starting as a producer, and he produced the yep. he was producing the Lee Marvin movie Point Blank, which came out later the same year as Double Trouble. Mm. And so when he invited Annette Day to have like a luncheon, it was him and Lee Marvin, and they all had lunch together. It's weird. That's crazy. And then he went back to Hollywood, and then she gets like a call not too long after that, being like, "Yeah, come in for a screen test." I think you got the part. Nice. And then after she made the movie, she had fun and everything. Yeah. But she was just like, yeah. Th- One I don't was wanna- enough? Yeah, I don't want to. Bro, what a baller. Part of it was like, I mean, yeah, well, where are you going to go after you've you've appeared alongside Elvis in your debut? Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, no, I liked her. She was really sweet. and I um I didn't like the dynamic between her character and Elvis, though. Well, the, that icky. whole part of the story. Yeah. Why don't you al- enlighten the listeners? What is the setup here? So in this movie, Elvis plays a pedophile. <laughs> tactful, as, <laughs> tactful as always. Yeah. <laughs> so the girl is underage. She's only 17. And she's just smitten with Elvis. She'll be turning she 18 wants... in three days. She keeps, or five, four days. Yeah. And it keeps, you know, the number keeps changing as the days go by. Which, you know, you know, I get that, like, I get that 18 year olds are legal, but I used to have a group of friends who used to say, you know, anything under the age of 19 is a watermelon. And if you meet a watermelon, you really have to ask yourself, like, am I actually going to have sex with a watermelon? Like, you'll get messy and it's all sticky and it's just, it lays there and doesn't do anything because it doesn't, it's just a watermelon. Like, just don't do it. Wow. But anyway, the point is she's, (laughs) yeah, she's too young. And Alice is like, just, I don't know, his attitude towards her throughout the whole film is like, at the beginning, he's like really trying to rush her to come like make out with him on the couch. And it's just like, dude, you know, stop being gross. You're acting like a gross weirdo. And then uh, what I did like that I thought was fun, except for the fact it was super like weirdly rapey, was that 
all of the rhetoric that he was using on her in their first meeting got flipped around on him. All the same wording and the same dialogue got flipped mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. onto him by the same girl because she was really into it, right? Which is fun, but, you know, gross. <laughs> I couldn't get on board with the whole thing because I just kept being like, eh, she's so small and it's just not yeah. great. And I'm watching this and I'm just, like I'm, the whole time I was thinking like, Morgan is not gonna be happy (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like the sad thing too was like i really liked the other chick who was like more worldly and womanly and like i thought she was really fun and i was like oh i was really rooting for her i was really hoping that that i really thought that girl was gonna fall in love with the guy on the boat there's a guy on the boat earlier in the movie that's like talking to her about to the movie's credit he turns out to be a bad guy some twists yeah, they Turns did actually. Much all the that characters was, that were that was one of the her. things I appreciated. That everybody there was a lot of twists and turns at the end. The person that you thought was the murderer was not really the murderer, or you know all this stuff. And it was a lot of fun. It was nice to actually like go on a ride and watch somebody else drive the fucking car for me for once. Appreciated. Shout out to the the creepy smiling guy who has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, he's just in multiple that was, scenes. That was so weird. <laughs> As a red herring fucking bizarre it all culminating in a part where elvis bumps into him and he and like a wine bottle breaks and then he picks it up and he's he's got the broken wine and he's like he's just smiling at him with like the broken yeah. piece of the bottle and elvis is just like oh, okay weird. bye yeah so strange and we yeah we never get any conclusion with that guy now here's what we really need to talk about okay what we really need to talk about is the fucking ending yes the boat explodes. This ending Elvis goes and the full new bride. Tunes cartoon all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Because earlier, they're, well, they're they're here's, on a yeah. Boat. Like I said, I appreciate screenwriting wise. I'm like, oh, okay. So they did set this up for a reason. But at the, at the when that first that scene comes around, because at one point they're trying to get somewhere, right? And they're like, okay, well, we're going to take this boat. Yeah. And then, but before we get to them getting onto the boat, there's the captain of the boat and his like first mate and the parrot. Yes, my God. They're all discussing amongst themselves how they're going to. They they set the boat up with dynamite. And they're going to sink it on purpose for the insurance money. Right. And then Elvis and Annette Day show up and they're like, oh, we need this boat. We need to get to wherever we're going. Yeah. Stockholm, right? Or right. Yeah. They keep changing where their destination is supposed to be multiple times. Anyways. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, no, we can't have you come on here. And he's like, oh, but we already bought tickets. He's like, but do you have your passports or something? Anyways. And then in the end, they, they rush him off. Yeah. And the, of course, the pair the whole time is going like, there's already a bomb on the boat. <laughs> we're going to blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, shut up, shut up. Don't ignore that. It's bizarre. So I, Yeah. So I was just like, okay, that was really weird. What the heck was the point of that? But then it all comes back really again weird. at the end where they're, they end up taking that boat and then the dudes are on the boat and also the crooks who are like their own yes. subplot are on the boat. And then yeah. the boat just okay. explodes yeah. and sinks. But not except... in a way, like <laughs> the, the spot that Elvis and Annette Day are on yes. doesn't explode. And it just floats there. It's the only part. The They're on like the, the front of it. it. And it yeah, it keeps going. It's bizarre. It's so fucking weird. Like the, yeah. the endings are getting really, really wacky and really strange. Like last episode when he was like, and that's exactly what I did. And he's like marrying off the three. He kids. breaks the fourth wall just... again in this movie. Yeah. He does, yeah, a couple of times too. There's a part where she goes to change in another room, and he looks at the camera. He looks at us. And he's yeah. just like, "Ah, well, what are you gonna do?" Maybe she shouldn't. Now there was another one too. Before she came back to his hotel room, he was like, "I'm gonna send you home in a car," and she's like, "No, I want to go to ho- your hotel room." And he looks at the camera and he says, "I tried." 
which you know was kind of that was like funny like I thought that was kind of funny but what wasn't funny was that like she got I think it's supposed to be funny for guys where like he has her back in the hotel room and she's like gabbing on about herself and whatever and he's like rolling his eyes and being really mean and being a dick yes there's too many characters in this movie like I'm gonna list them off so that people understand okay you want okay yeah go for it yeah, I'm, I'm actually curious if you are. Do you have a page open or are you just going to try this off the dome? Uh, I don't remember the actors names, but I'm going to list off all of the like characters that I can think of. OK. And how about we do that and I'll give you some time and you can tell us the name of the actor. Sure. And I'll tell you if you missed any people that I want to bring up later. Gotcha. OK. Number one, Elvis Presley. Correct. Number two, Annette Day. Who plays Jill Conway. Yes. Number three, Smoking Hot Lady. That is Yvonne Romaine. She plays Claire Dunham. There you go. And number four, Elvis's like bandmate slash like partner or manager or something like that. Right. I mean, he's like the one who kind of is taking the role of that character, that actor you hate, but it's not the same guy. It's it's this. Yes. It's like his yes. his non-union British equivalent. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, his name is uh, Monty Landis and he plays Georgie. Okay. Then there's the diamond smugglers, Tweedledee right. and Tweedledum. Curious note about this. Their credits in the official credits in the movie are their names are reversed. Oh, really? They're wrong. Oh, that's interesting. And oh, it's weird. even wrong on IMDb just because it's going off of what it is. But if you look at the two pictures, of the dudes and they because it's Arthur and Archie and they call each other's name like multiple times in the movie. Yeah. So it's not like there's no. That's weird. It's very clear. Anyways, so okay, so there's Arthur. Those two. Arthur Babcock yep. is played by chips rafferty okay which he's pretty great i'll get to him. he's australian we'll, we'll talk about it later i think yeah i think i've heard of him and then archie brown is played by norman rossington who i will just throw in the factoid now so we don't got to get to it later okay. he's the only actor to have worked on both an elvis movie and a beatles movie because he plays the beatles manager in a hard day's night the debut in 64 interesting okay so after that there's the captain and like his Boatswain or whatever. Yes, which I'm not really going to go into them. Okay, happy to hear it's fine. There's the Jill, whatever her name is, uncle. Yes, he is John Williams, but not the composer John Williams. Not the composer. Yeah, the actor John Williams. He plays uh, Gerald Waverly. Yes, and then there is the Three Stooges, who are played by the Weir Brothers. Which it says at the end, the Weir Brothers playing themselves, but they're playing these three bumbling detectives yeah then there's the police chief in um uh that place that we're in belgium i think they go to i think they're in antwerp by that point they there's Whatever, they name drop <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> they're in belgium fine yeah fine belgium antwerp what's the difference on a map it's in a different spot whoopie doopie well no antwerp <laughs> is within belgium belgium is the country and whatever Th- then i'm right they're in belgium <laughs> yeah i just wanted to be more specific <laughs> okay all right nerd <laughs> just yes <laughs> that's inspector de groot yeah he's played by leon askin who was austrian actually oh, nice and then um that's pretty much it i don't think anybody else like okay so the only one you didn't mention yeah, go ahead. Is oh, the... oh, that's right. There's the other inspector guy and the other inspector guy. So no, no. Well, no, neither of those guys. I got this. I got this. Okay. There's the henchman hired to kill Jill who is at first following her and is acting like really nice. He's got like a pretty major role in a lot of lines. Oh, okay, no. I and thought then... I thought by the henchman you meant the, the the guy with the face. I thought, no, we're talking about like, I just call face. him college boy or something because he's like. <laughs> yeah, college boy. That's fine. 
And then there's also the police officer from Scotland fucking Yard who yes. shows up and is like following them throughout the whole film, but is actually like on the hunt for the diamonds from the diamond smugglers. And that's all of them. Because that's the thing. We have we have bumbling thieves who have who are smuggling diamond subplot, which is mixing itself in with a completely unrelated caper where people are trying to assassinate in that day because she's about to turn 18 and then gather her yes. inheritance. Yeah. So that's why it gets also, it all mixed up because you don't know who's part of what and what's going on. Yeah. Which is fine. It's by design. But after a certain point, it does get a little exasperating because you're just like, okay, can we settle down? Yeah. At the, at the point where they introduce the three stooges, I'm just like, this is too many people. Like, that's too fucking many people. Also, I like that, a, I like that Elvis kills a man with karate. That was pretty neat. To be fair, okay. that guy just like kills himself. He he does like the most telegraph jump and then just jumps to his death in a pit. <laughs> but yes, I'm just saying if if Elvis hadn't done karate, that man would probably still be alive. That is true, right? Ergo, Elvis kills a man with karate in this movie. That's how I pitched it to my sister. And it's like, did you know that Elvis kills a man with karate in this movie? And she was like, no, Elvis does karate. And I was like, yeah, he learned how to do it while he was driving a tank and in, in the Boer War or some shit. <laughs> now i'm imagining like he's literally doing it at the same time he's trying to concentrate yeah. on driving the tank but there was like an instructor was like okay now punch left punch right and he's like ah. hi sensei hi <laughs> yeah you, so where so, do you want to start with these with these folks let's move back to the cinematographer and producer we got to finish them off okay finish them finish them it's your buddy yeah daniel l fap this is his third and oh final my film God. <laughs> Um, so we gotta, we gotta bid him adieu. He is, he's no longer going to be no. showing up as a cinematographer. You mean he's all, we're all finished with fap? We're, we're all, all finished, finished. fapping? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. bonus. What will I ever do without my two peepees? I'll give him a bonus mention of that. Uh, the year before this, he was a cinematographer on a movie called Our Man Flint, which is a fun spy spoof oh. with James Coburn. Nice. And they made a sequel to it called In Like Flint. It's fun. I'm actually really sad that he'll be leaving. He's brought me such joy on this podcast. You can only hope that someone else with a hilarious name will show up. In a Who's later that other picture. guy whose name is like Wiener or something? Seaman? Or like Seaman? Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a one and done. <laughs> he was a writer. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'll just have to make fun of people who have two first names. So let's talk about the writer. It is the okay. second time we've had a female writer for an Elvis movie. Oh, maybe that explains why I enjoyed it more. Maybe the women just know what they're doing. Two for two. Who knows? Two uh, so yeah. this is Joe Himes. Yeah. She's only got 16 credits, but she was known for her collaborations with Clint Eastwood. She co-wrote his debut as a director play Misty for me from 1971. Oh. Are you familiar with this movie? No. So Clint Eastwood plays a, a late night radio DJ and then there's a female fan of his who like starts stalking him and becomes obsessed with him. Right. That was the first movie he ever directed. People think of, you know, wow. Westerns and things, but this is an interesting choice. Yeah. It's like That's a psychological thriller, but it's pretty cool. Cool. Um, and she also Edo. wrote the screenplay to the 1973 movie Breezy, which he also directed. Mm. And then she wrote this. So, yeah. Cool. And the story by credit is for Mark Brandel. Yeah. Did lots of TV. Only three films. Okay. One of them, he was a co-writer on a movie called Concord City in 1962. 
Mm-hmm. And the other one, it's based on a book he wrote yeah. called The Lizard's Tale. Ooh. And the movie was made into 1981's The Hand, which is a horror movie with Michael Caine. He's like an illustrator who loses his hand. Oh, and, that's so weird. And then it starts killing that's people so or something. so interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so interesting. What a fresh kind of like, that's a really like creative idea, you know? An illustrator whose hand goes on a murderous rampage. I'm into it. Sure. I'll put it in the same bracket as there's multiple movies where like a limb yeah. is severed. Plus, and then... I, I simp for Michael Caine. Like... Well, yeah. yeah. Always delight, even when he's phoning yeah. it in for a paycheck, like yeah. in Jaws 4, The Revenge. <laughs> so no, yeah, those those are the technical people. Oh, wait, no, right. The producers. So we already talked about Judd Bernard earlier. Uh-huh. And the other producer on this film is Erwin Winkler. He was just getting his start as well in producing. And this was his first movie that he produced. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to great fame and acclaim. The fourth movie he ever produced was They Shoot Horses, Don't They? in 1969. Oh, sick. Wow. Then yeah. he won an Oscar for Best Picture for producing Rocky. Oh, shit. And he produced every single installment in the franchise, including Creed II, most recently. Wow, shit. And he also Damn. got Best Picture nominations for producing Raging Bull and The Right Stuff and Goodfellas. Holy fuck. That's a and lot. And he's still around doing it at 90. He most recently produced The Irishman for Martin Scorsese once again. Oh, cool. I did like The Irishman. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was nice. I still haven't watched They Shoot Horses. I'm scared to. I'm scared to watch the people get sad and beat up and whatever. It, it, it'll it be, yeah. oh yeah, it's, it's major whiplash if you've been watching Elvis movies for like months on yeah. end and then you try to hit like a serious like Oscar movie with like drama. Yeah. And, I'm also yeah. like, I'm trying to be like more gentle with myself when I'm like, when I have a lot of stuff to do or if mm, I'm going to mm. be working a lot and I have a lot of stress, then I'm like, maybe now's not the time to watch movies that will make you upset. Maybe now you watch Elvis movies. <laughs> there are, there yeah. is a time for Elvis movies. Time There's and a, place, a time yeah. and a place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's him. Now we're going to go into the alternate titles. Okay. Including the French one. Ooh. So. Double double. Double bubble. <laughs> How do you say moite moite? <laughs> moite moite. Oh, double double. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're doing. Yeah. No, half and half. Moite moite is half and half. Yes, but you're in in reference to to a Tim Hortons double double. Yes, yeah. we've been man between this and last week when we were talking about <laughs> Jacob Tutu, I was just like, we got like way too Canadian. We're gonna alienate our because I look at the <laughs> analytics and the majority of people are actually from the UK and the US. <laughs> well. But hey, think of it as a cultural exchange. You have to listen to yeah. us talk about Canadian stuff so you can get your Elvis content, okay? It's the trade-off. Oh, yeah. Let's give them some background. A double-double is what we traditionally call any coffee that has two cream and two sugar in it. Mm. We call them double-doubles. Which I think even call, at this point, I think that's kind of- I think it's crossed over. Colloquialism. But, but not to everywhere. We also call them triple-triples. Oh, yeah. If you're, triple, if you're triple, feeling really cra- triple, triple. crazy. Yeah. And there's a clear like societal distinction between people who drink double doubles, who are like the normies of the society, and, the, and those who drink triple triples, who are like the chaotic neutrals of society. It's true. So just stay on guard. Okay. So the alternate title for this movie was You're Killing Me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking jeez. Oh, I wish, I wish that was the title. Watch how perfectly I, I set myself up. That's what <laughs> Elvis said when they said he was going to have to sing Old MacDonald Had a Farm. Yeah, You're killing much. me. By the way, yeah, he, he sings Old MacDonald in this. In, that's the one where I was like, okay, not this song, but the other songs are still yes. okay. God. No, he literally, uh, allegedly on set, when he learned that this, he's like, really? So it's come to this? <laughs> like he really was not happy. <laughs> oh. 
poor Elvis. Who would be? No one, even Elvis, can't make Old MacDonald had a farm sound like a cool. Why tune would they make him to sing dance it? Why to would they again. make him sing it? You know. Ugh. And that scene also doubles. They're on the back of the truck, but once again, they're not driving, so it's not the same thing. Yes. So I have another question. Yes. They're on the boat, but they're not behind the steering wheel. True. Like they're not steering the boat. The captain's in charge. So it. It, we've officially fi- it only counts if it has wheels and he's actually driving it yes okay all right we're putting the the fo- we're just putting our foot down <laughs> my on final that. answer yeah <laughs> so you're killing me and then um <laughs> jesus in france it was called croisière surprise surprise cruise which oh. i i was waiting for that to like because i knew that was the alternate title and i was waiting i guess they meant like the boat but it wasn't a cruise yeah, it wasn't a... Yeah. And they take the ferry at one point, kind of, in the fog, but that's... Can't tell you, man. Yeah. Just another case of the French screwing up their language. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't at me. <laughs> so now let's move on to... The good stuff. Songs? No, let's finish some factoids. The juicy, juicy tidbits. Find out Matt's top 10 tidbits on this licentious actor's acting career and who they acted with and at what time and under what function and how it is so very interesting to connect the dots. Brought to you by Matt. Brought to you by IMDb. (laughs) So once again, as always, take these with a grain of salt. But these seem to check out at least the ones that seem like pretty hard facts okay uh, and this is kind of fun i was able to order them in such a way as i can like link them all together in a way oh so fact number one elvis was paid seven hundred and fifty thousand plus 40 percent of the profits Ooh, nice and while we're talking about money the red jacket worn by elvis was sold in an auction in 1996 for eleven thousand five hundred dollars holy shit that's a lot of money back then that's like twice as much now that's like more than oh yeah that's like forty thousand dollars today or some shit something like that with inflation and while we're talking about jackets one lucky elvis fan bought a jacket as a gift to elvis elvis told her to watch the movie carefully when it came out and then when the film came out she saw that the jacket that she gifted to him was in his suitcase his character's suitcase in the film talking about gifts elvis bought a sports car for annette day as a gift she later gave it to her brother oh my goodness and that's where we kind of end where i can't i can't go like talking about it but i was able to link those all in a row Hmm. neat i have elvis is quoted as saying later about this film i wasn't exactly playing james bond in this movie but then no one ever asked sean connery to sing a song while dodging bullets (laughs) true going back to producer erwin winkler for a second Uh uh-huh so this was his first job right and he had helped during the making of dr zhivago in 1965 yes yep that's one of my friend's favorite movies it's pretty sweet cool and that movie starred julie christie and so originally this movie was going to be a vehicle for her she was going to be the star and oh. i guess it wouldn't have been a musical it would have just been like a weird caper thing mm. but eventually it turned into an elvis movie so they rewrote the script accordingly <laughs> oh my gosh that's funny and we can thank annette day for two really cute britishisms that are in the movie she says bickies, bickies. Bickies yep. for biscuits, and also she says super duper, and those were both things that Norman Torog heard her saying on set, like between scenes, oh. and he added to the script. I didn't know that super duper was a. Um... Well, I mean, it was just a thing that she said. I don't know. I was Bickies for sure is like a yeah, Bickies for sure. Just so you are aware, those of you who are watching us from the UK, we call them cookies. We don't call them Bickies. Yeah, tea biscuits. We call them cookies. But whatever you call them, they're delicious. Yeah. Our favorite variety in Canada is Peak Freens and the ones that come in the little sewing box. I don't know what they're called. 
Mm, mm-hmm. they, I think they call it, they say they're from Danish. I think they're Danish. Yeah, they're Danish. Um, those things are expensive too. They're like they're like thirty or forty dollars a tin now. Oh for yeah, one of those things. And last thing, so of course this movie is set in Europe, but Elvis, as we know, has never stepped outside of the U.S. except for when he <laughs> yes. was abroad during in the army. But I'm going to say, and some of the reviews agreed that like the melding of some of the location work with sets. Yeah. There was no like weird, like distracting rear projection stuff. Yeah. So it actually I was noticed that. Like seamless. I actually Other than I when they're driving, as always. I didn't know that um that they weren't somewhere out of the US actually. I thought they had actually taken off somewhere. So there you go. The illusion was perfect. Yeah. There you go. Um, you could you fooled me. Shout out to body doubles Joe Clowers who was the body double for Elvis, and Polly Geertz, who was the body double for Annette, yeah, for any, like, okay. actual on-location in Belgium stuff. Oh, nice. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, I see. I gotcha. Um, all right. Pick, picking up what you're putting down. Do you want to just... Is there any other scenes that you liked from the movie before we um, get to more stuff? Uh, let's see. Um, No. <laughs> Yeah, not that I can think of. Nothing off the top. There's of an extended car chase that kind of overstays its welcome, but it's it's yeah, kind of I fun when so. it starts. Yeah. I um just as a side note, have you seen the movie In Bruges? Yes. I couldn't stop thinking about it when they said that they were going to Bruges. And I, as soon as they as soon as he was like we're going to Bruges, I was like, "What's in fucking Bruges?" <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing. Bridges. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. For those of you, uh, yeah, who haven't seen it, go watch In Bruges. It's a very lovely. Colin movie. Farrell, it's fantastic. Yeah, good old fashioned Colin Farrell, and um, I can't remember his name. He played Mad Eye Moody and Brendan Gleeson. Other films, yeah, Brendan Gleeson. He's fabulous. Really, just solid cast on that. Yeah, it was. That. It was really solid cast. Written and directed by Martin McDonough. You know what it felt like though? It felt like, it felt like Snatch and like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, except like depressed. And sad. A little darker edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a big fairground scene. It's very elaborate. Oh, I did not like that scene. I did not like that scene. Of course not, because guess what? He picks up a little girl again. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. He picks her up and just walks away. The with little her. girl does a dance again, the but it's not as egregious as past examples. We, yeah, but it's just still weird. It was also almost like a retread of the ending to Girls, Girls, Girls where they had different ladies yeah, representing all the different right. countries because there's like, oh, I we hate that when they parade them out there and it's like, mm, look at all the sexy women. It's like, okay, yeah, I get it. You're an Elvis movie. You don't have to fucking go so hard. Like, just get on with it. Okay. Um, During the, the aforementioned scene of him in his flat and then her... Yes. Ignoring him or talking while he's trying to make the moves. Yes. He sits in the T and is very good. The timing is perfect. It just, there's like a nice yep. beat. And he's just, and then yep. she's just like, she's like, you sat in the T. He's like, I, I know. I sat in the T. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, that was nice. There's, yeah. There's a lot of tea spilling going on on people. Yeah. They repeated that scene as like a comedy throwaway for a couple of different scenes, which was nice, but it didn't save the movie from falling flat on its face in the last, you know, last act. Which is always. The trickiest spot. Yeah. We forgive you, Elvis. So his band. Cause yeah. It, I guess this is... Is it the same band still? Oh, you mean Remember like the Jordanaires? Yeah, the Jordanaires. I don't know. They might have... The point is... Well, at the end, it said the G-Men as themselves. Yeah. So, so maybe we had some different dudes because on the marquee, on the posters we see throughout the movie, it's 
Guy Lambert with Georgie and the G-Men is the full yeah. show. It's the full ensemble. G, 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 G. Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Costuming? Any? I liked it. It was nice. It's our boy, um, Donfeld. Oh, okay. That's nice. He did a good job in this one. I liked it. The girls were dressed appropriately, like the nice girl was dressed a certain way, schoolgirl sort of type. The older lady, um, more demure. And uh, Elvis looked really nice in this one, too. A lot of nice outfits. There were some outfits. You said that, that, red, like. that red jacket that sold for all that money. It was a nice red jacket. Yeah, the, the red Classy. jacket was nice, but there was actually an, a suit that he was wearing when he goes to meet Annette's uncle. Mm. A suit combo set that I really enjoyed. Thought was really tasteful. And um, they did a great job of styling in that day, actually. Like they, there was there was um, two things in particular. The first teal dress that she wears up to his flat was so flattering on her, and they just picked such a beautiful color for a redhead of that caliber to wear. And the second thing was after she's leaving Elvis's second flat, she comes out wearing a bucket hat and coat combo. Yeah. But the inside lining of the coat. And the inside lining of the bucket hat are matching colors. And I thought that was a really sharp look. Looked really good. Nice. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the song. Okay. So we got the title track, Double Trouble. Yeah. Then Baby, If You Give Me All Your Love. That was a good one. Then when when they're there and she's like, put some music on. And he and she keeps dodging his advances. A little serenade. Yeah, he, that was nice. <laughs> yeah, he... Instead of at least it's not it doesn't it's not like a a sleep an LP that says Elvis this time it's it's his character within yeah, the movie <laughs> but he's all he just yeah. starts like duetting with his own voice on the track yeah it's really strange and he sings it the nice. it's the ballad uh, could I fall in love yep then there's a scene where they're on the boat he's heading he's heading on his way but she's following him ostensibly because she's going to like a reform school or her own little you know right. private academy and um, yes it's all foggy and so. He's like they trying can't to find each other. Yeah, yeah. So and he so he gets onto stage up, to yeah. play. Yeah. So she comes out. I liked that song too. I thought that song that was cool. song is "Long Legged Girl" with, with a short, short dress, dress on. on. I love that song actually. I recognized it when I heard it. "Long Legged Girl" with a short dress on. Then there's one later performance with the band City by Night. I don't remember if I liked that one. I think I did. There's there was one or two that I didn't like. One of them was Old McDonald, which is coming up next. Yeah. And there was one. I can't remember if it was the next one or the one after that, but I also didn't quite like it, but it was fine. I think I think See By Night is the one you were okay on, and I was okay on it too. Yeah. Then we get the one-two punch of Old McDonald, which is actually the halfway point of the movie. They're on the back of this truck, yeah. hitching a ride, and there's a bunch of chickens and these little coops. Yeah. And um, God, it's Elvis singing Old McDonald. What a sight! How, what? I just I just imagine him in the studio being like, "So it's come to this." That's, <laughs> just you didn't really have to great. imagine. I literally yeah. told you that's what he said. I like. know, I know. I'm just I'm imagining that what you said in my head. It's amazing. It's amazing to think of. So there's a like bootleg album. Yeah. That was created that came out. In the 80s. Yeah. After he had passed, called Elvis Greatest Shit. Oh, no. As a play on Elvis oh, Greatest goodness. Hits or something. That's so funny. And they that the top, the first track on it is Old McDonald. <laughs> and it's pretty much just a selection of all the worst songs from all his soundtracks. That's really great. And, and then thrown in with a few like alternate takes where he like flubs. I think there's a, a version of Can't Help Falling in Love where at one point he like, he, during the bridge, he just goes like, oh, shit. <laughs> 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 he, he messes up something. That's great. Uh, uh, what what's what's the next song we've got here? Probably the only one, the one you don't like because that's the one during the festival. It's I love only one girl. Yeah. The the one I have my arms around or whatever. Yeah. Cool. And then the last song of the group during some downtime where they're at some hotel, he sings. There's so much world to see. Hmm. I don't remember if I liked that one or not. 
which just makes me think of Moon River. Oh, right. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, Moon River. There's one track that was cut. Good. It won't be long. Oh, I know that song. Do you? I think so. Maybe you're thinking of the Beatles song. It won't be long. Oh, no. Were you about to? No, wait, that sounded like you were singing Lean On Me. Oh, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> It won't be long till I got a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody to lead on. <laughs> I wish that song had been in this movie. Unfortunately not. No. We can never have real good things in the world. Just okay. mediocre Elvis films. Back to these folks. Okay. So we already talked about in a day and we have said all we can say because this is it. One and done. Yep. One and done. That's so, how I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so... I didn't mean it like that, Matt. <laughs> well, that's, that's how you say it. Just... I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> All so, right, let's go on. Yvonne Romain, who plays Claire, the like other lady, she was in a 1963 movie called Return to Sender. Oh, which wait a has minute. nothing to do with Elvis. Elvis has nothing to do with Elvis. It just, I don't know. But then that means it's just named the same thing. I guess too though that was probably a, a like you can still you still I mean I've it's literally what they write received, on yeah yeah that's, I know I have literally received a piece of letter in the mail like recently that's like return to sender but the fact is it so. came out in sixty three so Elvis is still he's already like doing all these movies he's a big hit we, yeah like everyone was obviously associating with that I don't know if there's any yeah extra layer but she played a character named Lisa in that and this one I was very Lisa. happy to read yeah her her final film before she like retired she played the titular Sheila. In the 1973 movie, The Last of Sheila, which is a really cool whodunit. Okay. I've never seen it. After Knives Out came out, Ryan Johnson was talking about all his different influences and in movies. Mm-hmm. And it was like the Poirot films with, you know, Peter Ustinov or with Albert Finney. But there was one that was named called The Last of Sheila, okay. which I never heard of. Yeah. And it turns out it is a film that was written by Stephen Sondheim. You know. No. You don't know Stephen Sondheim? No. Well, that's Who funny. He? Well, he, he wrote he a little musical <laughs> no! called West Side Story. <laughs> no! <laughs> Next time, just say you know who I'm talking about, Morgan. I just, uh, the, you know, the fans know I don't know who you're talking about. They can tell. Okay, drop a like if you can tell that I don't know what Matt's no, talking about. No, but Stephen about. Sondheim has written like- Stephen Sondheim is a, is a famous man. Yeah, dozens of Broadway musicals and stuff, but he was also a big murder mystery fan. And the other yeah. person who was a murder mystery fan who co-wrote the screenplay with him was actor Anthony Perkins. Okay. I don't know who that is either. Of psycho <laughs> fame. Sorry. Norman oh, Bates. Oh, is he, is he Norman Bates? Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> suffice to say this is the one and only screenplay that they worked on that they did cool the last sheila is great that i think that was the whole point <laughs> yeah it's oh also it's coming to yeah. blu-ray finally this year oh okay. from our boys at warner archive who also put out it happened at the world's fair earlier so wonderbar been knocking knocking out of park with their selections excellent i literally have because of course that's i'm the person that i am that i have like a, a yes. wish list on my phone like that I, a little check oh checklist God. of like most wanted for blu-ray yes and that was one of them so i was very happy wow that i got to check one off so uh who's next um let's get to our two bumbling thieves Yes, please. I liked them and the, I liked their little subplot. I thought it was fun. Sure. But it, it's, it, it gets lost just, because we're doing so much else as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I did like them. I thought they were kind of fun. Yeah. They weren't like unbearable, right? No. Which is the most I can hope for these <laughs> days, I guess. 
Who are they? Where are they so Morgan hasn't properly built up the tolerance yet. <laughs> no, I have not. We're, I don't we're so close to the end. <laughs> Sometimes I'll ask Matt about a movie recommendation, and I'm like, how's this movie? And he's like, it's all right. And then I'm like, okay, that's Matt's language for it's a bad movie, and I won't like it. He'll say a movie's all right, and that's when I know it's like that's okay. That's a movie that I'm not gonna like. I have to only like I only well, no, watch a movie if Matt tells me it's a good movie or it's a great movie. Sometimes when I say it's all right, I literally mean just like there are movies that are just okay. They're all like, right. <laughs> yeah, they're just okay. Yeah, but I tend to be really hard on those kinds of movies. Is why yeah like, I have a hard time putting up with all right movies. There's only like so many of them I can watch in a year. I like to look at the silver lining in things. Yes. He's very kind. And Morgan does not like to do that. No, I don't. I'm very cynical. Which is why with our powers combined, we've been tackling these Elvis movies. <laughs> we've brought you a mediocre podcast. <laughs> meet in the middle. <laughs> no one's satisfied. Hooray. Oh. So did we talk about these guys? No, Who let's do they? it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Jesus. Chips Rafferty. Yeah. He's Australian. Oh. He, he has been called in his career the living symbol of the typical Australian. That's hilarious. I love that. Uh, I love that for him. Yes. He also had a really good final film in the 70s, 1971's Wake and Fright, which is a really good, I don't know if it falls under the purview of Ausploitation, but it is like an Australian cult classic now. Is Mad Max an Ausploitation? Yeah, I think that would work. Yeah. Okay. Australians, let us know in the comments. <laughs> and then he wrote and directed a movie back in 1954 called King of the Coral Sea, Ooh. which I tried to track down a copy and I eventually actually bought it direct from the Australian government's like film archive. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Because you literally can't oh, get geez. it anywhere else. Holy smokes. Is uh, it good? It was, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> the reason I wanted it though is because at the time I, and I have, this is a, an ongoing side project where I got obsessed with the first and final films of actors. Oh, right. Yeah. And the person who makes their film debut in King of the Coral Sea from 1954 is Rod Taylor, oh. who is an Australian actor. He was in the original The Time Machine from 1960. Okay. He's in a really good Twilight Zone episode called And the Sky Was Opened. Okay. Did I watch that one? I can't remember. I don't know. It's the one where the astronauts come back to Earth, but they start disappearing one by one. Oh, no. I don't think I've seen that one. Actually. That one's a great one. That one's an underrated Ooh. one. Oh, okay. That's all I'll say. All right. Long story short. I So, yeah, I, do, I own like an HD copy straight from... <laughs> The Australian National Film Straight Board. Straight from the Algeria. Wow. It was, and it's, yeah, it's like an eight gig digital file and it's. Wow. Matt knows no bounds. Which was fine. Cause at first I thought I was going to get like a DVD quality, like whatever, but no, they, they did a restoration of this thing and it looks, looks pretty great considering. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. That was a whole thing. Okay. Let's move on to our other guy. Yeah. Norman Rossington. He of A Hard Day's Night fame. So in 1964, he played the road manager to the Beatles in their film debut. Right. And yeah, his character is Archie Brown. Yeah. The other guy was Arthur Babcock. I don't remember if we, we yeah. said both of them. But once again, yeah, the we did. credits yeah. were actually switched in the right. end yeah. credits. I think they worked really well together. Yeah. They're fun. Oh, there's one shot of them where the taller one, Chips Rafferty, drops his suitcase. Or no, he, he, he makes a quick hand motion and slaps Norman Rossington. And then Norman Rossington, there's a close-up on his face screaming. And then it match cuts to a, a, oh, a, a trombone. trombone or, like, yeah. yeah, trombone. There was actually a few shots like that. There was one shot in the cafe where there's an espresso machine making steam. And then it transitions into the tea kettle making steam in Elvis's flat. They got a little creative with it. Yeah. You love to see it, folks. You know I love to see it anyways. I'm like, oh, look at this. That's, that's how you know we've been like starved for actual good directing and cinematography is when we're watching an Elvis movie and we're like, actually, they did do one interesting thing this time. Isn't that wonderful? Always on the lookout for those transitions. <laughs> but let's move on to Michael Murphy, who plays Morley, 
aka who I label as Mr. Education, Mr. College Boy. <laughs> okay. Yes. He bumps into Jill on yeah. the boat. He sure does. And he literally, yeah. And then she's talking about her whole dilemma. And then he's he's Mr. Worldly, who's just like, oh yeah, I guess. Well, you're gonna have to wait until you're 21 if you want to get married in Belgium. It's really weird. But yeah. if you make your way down to Stockholm, then actually it's like, oh, it's 18. Or and like, okay, but also, why does he tell her that? Because he's there to kill her. So why does he tell her to go to Stockholm? Yeah, this is one of those things where if you think about it too much, the twist doesn't have, quite work as have, well. Have we found it? Have we found our first plot hole? Is this our a first plot hole? Pl- no, I don't think so. I don't remember any other plot holes. Just this one. You don't remember any other plots. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't want to say it so matter-of-factly, but it came out really... You don't have to at me. Bullying. Bu- I'm being oppressed. I'm being oppressed. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Who's next? Well, don't you want to know what Michael Murphy did? No, I don't want to know shit about this guy. He's a bad guy. <laughs> yes, let's start. But he was it. a good guy until he was a bad guy. No, he did seven movies with Robert Altman. Yeah. So he was like a good luck charm. Rob- he was friends with Robert Altman, and Robert Altman cast him in a couple of things. Yeah. But he was one of the leads in 1974's Phase Four. Oh. Which is a sci-fi movie. It's the it's the it's the sole directing debut of Saul Bass. Holy shit. Yes. That's crazy. I didn't know that Saul Bass actually directed anything. The other obsession I have, other than people's first and final films... Is is Saul is, Bass. No, is when oh. a non-director gets behind the camera and directs just the one movie. Oh, just a one-off. Yeah. Also, though, you are kind of obsessed with Saul Bass. Well, who isn't? I mean, well, what's not the love? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. As for those of you who don't know, Sol Bass is a, he's not a, a, a director. He's a graphic design artist. Yes. And he worked closely with Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Including the aforementioned Psycho starring Anthony Perkins. That's correct. Yeah. So Psycho and also North by Northwest. Yes. And he also famously made many posters. That were yes. Very cool. Oh, and they're fabulous. They're so fabulous. So good. He's really great. And if you're interested in art at all um, and you haven't checked him out, please do. A master of blocking, of using yes. shape to suggest form and, and it's really amazing stuff. Also very good with lines, but you know, that's... Well, he's good with everything. So anyway. Suffice to say... Saul Bass directed a, a sci-fi movie in 1974 called Phase 4 about super intelligent ants that like rehabbed in the lab. That's amazing. I would love to watch that. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Jeez. Shit. I kind of want to see that. Um, yeah, it's not just all right. It's pretty good, which is one step uh, up in I my know, that's a, that's vague a, that's scale. That's around where I start to be like, all right, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Phase 4. It, it fits under the, the criteria of a cult classic. Edgar Wright is a big fan of it, so you know it's pretty good. I also, like, personally have this thing with ants. Like, I'm really into ants, and I think ants are super fucking cool. Mm -hmm. So the idea that there's a movie out there written, like, about ants, and they're, like, there to fuck shit up, but they're just ants. And they, they, um... They got a bunch of specialty lenses for that movie to shoot, like, really micro... Close up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, neat. Very cool. I bet that movie actually scared people. People actually got scared of ants after that. Well, yeah. I mean, and then the, the sound design for it is really good, too, and the soundtrack. Oh. Man, the 70s. The 70s were great. Yeah, they were a good time. It, that's the thing. Every time I think about how, like, we're almost done with Elvis, I'm like, if he just stuck around for the 70s. Yeah, we probably would have seen something really cool. Because there was, there was no way that he could have kept doing these into the 70s. Yeah. These were going out of favor, so they would have had to do. But maybe he would have, you know. Who knows? Oof, we'll never know. 
I guess that would be even sadder if if up until like 75 he was doing these. Yeah, that's right. Like he'd literally be doing like children's television, daytime, made for TV movies. Wouldn't that be sad? Okay. Two more people. We're going to move on to... Yes. Inspector de Groot, played by Leon Askin. Yeah. He is best known as playing General Burkhalter in 67 episodes of Hogan's Heroes between 65 and 71. Okay. So right in the middle of that run, he appeared in this movie, in this part. Cool beans. And the other guy? Georgie. Yeah. Monty Landis. So he did a handful of stuff around this time, but actually his most notable works were in the 80s. Oh. So in 1984, he appeared as Sid Goldberg in Body Double, the Brian De Palma movie. Oh, cool. That movie's great. Oh. That's, that's it's not my favorite. My favorite Brian De Palma, in case anyone is curious, is Blowout <laughs> with John Travolta. Okay. That movie is really amazing, but I'm a big fan. I'm, I know, yeah, a lot of people rightfully accuse him as being like a Hitchcock pastiche artist. Oh, I see. But if you but do Hitchcock if you do it well, Hitchcock pastiche is still great. Yeah, no, and he's he's the best at it. He's like the I top wish tier. I could be Hitch. Yeah, I wish I could be Hitchcock pastiche. Like, what a fucking honor! Plus, he's bringing his own '80s sleazy flavor to it. Like, Hitchcock could not get oh, away with fun. Body Double. Okay, that movie's okay. All Anyways. right. I'm on board. Sure. Then in 1985, he was in, he played Dr. Dodd in Real Genius, starring Val Kilmer. Mm. One of his, I think, yeah, that was literally like his second lead role after appearing in Top Secret the year before. Nice. And he played Mario in Pee-wee's Big Adventure in 85 as well. Oh, that's too bad. Not a fan. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I, I don't do zany very well. I'm not a zany, I don't like zany like media. I Which don't would like, explain um, why the movie lost you once the bumbling zany people came in yeah i like i don't i don't like that and i don't like the animaniacs i hate the animaniacs so much yikes so so much i was really sad when they were like we're gonna make the animaniacs again i was like you have a you have a thousand other cartoons that were just way friggin better all right name (laughs) five all right dexter's fucking laboratory um pinky in the brain um, well, Pinky the, the Brain the... is all wrapped in with the Animaniacs. They're also back within that. Okay, fine. Uh, Freakazoid was a good one. That's also liked, Warner Brothers. Those loved... are all literally within the same like cartoon yeah, universe. Yeah, but I'm using Warner Brothers to show that they could have picked something else okay. instead of Animaniacs. I'm also curious how how fine of a line, because Freakazoid is plenty zany. Yeah, but it's based in like... It's based in that like cynic millennial humor where he's like, I have no friends. And his mom like, that's very sad. Like, I love that. That's funny to me. Okay. okay. Not like weird little mouse things dressed in human clothes, bonking each other with hammers, you know, like ugh. the only zany I accept is SpongeBob. That's the only one. And I'll take some SpongeBob because he's a sponge. No, no. So it yeah, makes yeah. sense. So we're going to shout out a uncredited dancer in this film okay this was her final appearance in a movie she only had 14 credits yeah but her if i looked at her imdb and it's literally all beach party movies oh my god that's amazing so this is actually one of the only non-beach party movies she was in this was her career are you ready for this yep so her name is mary hughes she's credited as well uncredited but she was a watusi dancer she's doing the watusi at some point nice during that festival all right so movie number one she plays surfer girl in muscle beach party Movie number two, she plays Beach Girl in Bikini Beach. Movie number three, she plays Pajama Girl in Pajama Party. Oh, my God. Movie number four, she plays Beach Girl in Beach Blanket Bingo. <laughs> then she plays Mary in Ski Party. Ooh, upgrade. She's actually got a name. Oh, you're getting a named role. Holy jeez. But then the very next time, it goes back to Beach Girl and How to Stuff a Wild Bikini. 
Then in Sergeant <laughs> Deadhead, which was AIP's like yeah. army thing. So it was, it was the beach party actors, but not a beach party movie. She plays, she's just credited as WAF, which is Woman in the Air Force. Cool. So she's just a random person. Yeah. Then in Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, she plays Robot, because that's his plot is, <laughs> is to use a bunch of fembots to like take over the world. Nice. And she also has the same role in the TV special, The Wild Weird World of Dr. Goldfoot. Nice. She aired, I think, the same year. Then she's back as playing Mary in The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini? Yes. Okay. Like I said, All right. the latter day beach parties, they were mixing it with different genres. And so- They sure fucking were, man. This one has like- I have a, to draw that. I think this one has a Boris Karloff cameo. I and think I'm going to draw- they're, they're mixing the, in some- uh, The Ghost in the Bikini. The Bikini- the whatever whatever man anyways yes after the ghost in the visible bikini where she <laughs> returned as mary she plays a fangirl in fireball 500 okay which is the one of the one when, when they switched over to stock car racing as the new fad yeah and then the only other non aip movie that she was in is murderer's row one of the matt helm dean martin spice booths she was in she played miss september in murderer's row <laughs> Jesus. And then for Thunder Alley, which is the other stock car racing one, uh, I could not actually, there's no listing. She's credited, but not, well, she's uncredited, but we don't even have, wow. I don't know who she was. She sounds like an amazing lady. Yeah. I'm sure she went on to, oh yeah, actually I do know what she went on to do. I wrote that down. Apparently yeah. she moved to Malibu and became a yoga and fitness instructor. So what you're trying to tell me is that the beach lady retired and went to live on a beach. Yeah. That's amazing. And and just be a fitness instructor to keep keep that good Hats form. You. Oh, you should yeah. You type her type her name in, Mary Hughes. Uh, Mary Hughes. Just want to get a look at this lady that we're talking about. Beach party. Why is she stacked? Hmm. Oh shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She's fucking. She is. She's stacked. That's Ooh. why. <laughs> oh, look at this fucking polka dot bikini one. Holy. Fucking Jesus. There you go. Christ almighty. Holy bung hungalungas. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, we, we, we got the we got oh it. We got God. the reaction. God, Good. Jesus. Oh, this one where she's on the skis is really fucking holy hot potatoes. Mm-hmm. One hunga bungaloo. Oh, there's one that's just a picture of her big bungalungas. Nice. <laughs> okay. I think we're done. It all makes sense, doesn't it? Now that you're wondering like why was yeah. she only ever casting Oh, well. <laughs> She's yeah. She's got a certain look. All right. I think we can say now. To, let's let's wrap things up. Let's wrap it up. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in for another hot mess that is this podcast series. We really appreciate your engagement. Um, um, it's it means a real a real joy to us. It's really nice to see people responding to this because we really got together and was just like, I don't know, you want to watch like thirty two Elvis movies, and I was like, eh, okay. So it's nice to see 31, 32, whatever the amount is. I'm confused. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, okay. Now that you bring it up, I should mention. All right. We'll be doing the two concert movies. Okay. Elvis. That's the way it is. And Elvis on tour. So wait, 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 wait. How many movies is that now? That's 33. All right. Because those two other ones, they're literally, it's its what you've always wanted the whole time is just him singing on stage. I know, but like the next time I make a podcast with you, I'm going to iron out a contract. And it's going to be a set number because it keeps changing. <laughs> so um, we'll get You back changed to it first. You said 32. <laughs> no. You added a movie. It wasn't even there. Anyway, the point is we love you and appreciate you more than we love and appreciate each other. <laughs>
<laughs> thank you so much for tuning in. And with that, we'll say thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much.